Have you ever been scared to contribute to a conversation or publish a blog post because you were worried you weren't qualified enough? How did I get to this point in my career? I don't belong here. Oh, getting to this place in my career has been just pure luck. Eventually, someone is going to call me out for the fraud that I am. When is the last time a similar thought crossed your mind? Probably pretty recently. And we're no exception. All four of us have experienced imposter syndrome, but we've all developed our own personal ways to combat it. Let's get started. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Allie. I'm Emma. And I'm Lindsay. And we're debugging the tech industry. So there's a lot of talk in the developer community about how imposter syndrome impacts us. So how have we felt it? Emma, you can go first. So I haven't felt imposter syndrome a lot. I think as you grow in your career and as you grow on social media and you're following, your follower count increases, uh, it's just you know exemplified through, through these things or it's, um, I'm not sure what the right word is, but it's a lot more prevalent, right? Because now there are, are so many more thousands of eyes watching everything that you do. One situation in particular, I remember imposter syndrome being really bad was at a Google job interview, actually. <laughs> I think job interviews in general are a place where we all struggle to feel like we know what we're doing and what we're talking about. And that is going to be a whole other episode, right? The front end interview process. But going to a company like Google where everyone is an elite engineer in their field and having to whiteboard coding solutions for data structures and algorithms and know the ins and outs of JavaScript had really gotten into my my head. And I got kind of tripped up about my skills, like, am I good enough? I, I even thought about kind of canceling the interview, which was ridiculous, uh, because you've got to push yourself through these things. But yeah, I, I seriously debated just pulling out of the whole interview because I, I had this imposter syndrome, and I didn't want to, you know, put myself out there. So uh, yeah, job interviews. <laughs> Allie, what about you? So for me, I quit computer science my sophomore year of college. So I started off that senior trying to or I was just totally new to learning how to code that same year I had just learned Python and I thought it was magical that you could type stuff into a computer and something else would come out and you could build all these games and all these super fun things and then I took my second class which was in C++ and I didn't really understand it like Python has all these things like lists built into them why would you ever use C++ because there's less built into it and you have to write more code to do the same thing. You have to deal with pointers and all that. And so I totally thought that I wasn't good at it. I was pulling all-nighters. There was this Sudoku solving algorithm that we had to implement in one of our first weeks using backtracking. And I had no idea what I was doing. It was so hard. I spent so much time on it. And so on top of that, I felt like a lot of people in the computer science department didn't look like me. They didn't have the same interests to me, none of that. And so I felt like I really didn't fit in. And so after that semester, I ended up quitting computer science and just thought that it wasn't for me. And I look back on it and I feel so silly about that because I thought that I wasn't good at it at all. But I got a B in the class. I wasn't that bad at it. And just for me, that was not good at that time. And so... I, especially working so hard in it to get a B was like really, really tough for me. So that was definitely a huge moment of imposter syndrome. And I guess at that point, I kind of was an imposter. I, it was just learning how to code. But I, I do wish that I had stuck with it, even though it was challenging and I felt like I didn't belong. It's really interesting that you say 
that there weren't people that looked like you or had the same interests because I think we take this for granted, right? Subconsciously, like our our minds are kind of taking in all of our surroundings and, and subconsciously we're like, oh, like we get a pretty good feel on, on whether or not we feel like we fit in by nature, which um, I just feel like is kind of, I'm not a psychology expert and Kelly can probably talk a little bit more to this, but subconsciously we have these thoughts and it's like that sets the groundwork for our imposter syndrome level. Like if you're not surrounded by people that, that look like you or not just look like you, but have the same interests and whatnot, like that's going to be it's going to set the bar a little bit higher to reaching this level of imposter syndrome because you, I don't know, Kelly, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I completely agree with you there. And you know, when you're, when you're put in a situation, there's nobody around you. Like you cannot see another person who really looks like you in a, in a way. I mean, you can almost feel like it's an attack on your, you know, on your comfort zone. Like just that in its own is going to set you off off balance a little bit. And then trying to combat that on top of doing well in the class as well is just it's all compiling and, and it's it, it becomes too much. I also think it's funny you mentioned to Ali that like you were an imposter at the time. Like, aren't we all like it, as you begin this journey, I think we all are imposters to a certain degree, but I think in the beginning, you don't realize this. And it's only once you gain more experience that you recognize that, oh my gosh, like, do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> it's kind of, uh, kind of ironic. I think that there is a really big moment in your, in your own personal growth when you start to recognize you don't know everything. And, you know, it, it's, it's, accepting that is a big step in moving forward in in moving past the imposter syndrome. Yeah. One of my old mentors, my favorite thing that he ever said was that at no point in this, you're going to know everything. But the, the moment that I feel like you've made it is when you know you can look at any site or app and realize that with enough time and enough learning that you could eventually get to a point where you could build something like that. And I feel like more recently I've kind of gotten to that point, especially with blogging and learning all these new things that, yeah, given enough time and enough learning opportunities, I, I could learn that thing. So totally agree with that. That's a tangential, but... Well, I think one other point to that before, you know, we hear more from Lindsay on her side of things is that we look at the work that someone has done that is exemplary in a field, and we assume that means that they are a genius in everything. Uh, and that's just totally not true, right? So let's take, you know, someone who's very big in this industry. Dan Abramov is known as a React expert, but he did publish a blog talking about how maybe his CSS skills were not great. And, and he openly admitted this, but we look at someone like that in the industry and we assume that because they're good in one thing, they're good at all things. And it's just not true. So we need to kind of recognize that hey, you know, this person's really good at React. Maybe I'm not, but maybe I'm really good at laying things out in CSS and that's somewhere that they struggle. So totally, totally. Okay, now to get back off that tangent, Kelly, what's your imposter syndrome story? So one of my biggest ones was when I was invited to speak at my first conference and it was Shopify Pursuit. And they asked me to talk about my experience from from going from freelancing to starting an agency and, you know, the, the steps it took to get there and everything I learned along the way. And to be asked to speak in front of this, you know, crowd of people specifically about my own growth is it's it. I'm, I'm blinking on the word I'm looking for here. It was intimidating or we'll go with that. <laughs> it was really intimidating. And 
you know, this isn't an all expenses paid trip as well. So they're they're literally paying me to to do this too. So it's it made me very very feel very vulnerable about talking about my journey here. And you know, obviously, once I got there and. As after I actually started my talk, I got super into it and everything was great. And I got a lot of really positive feedback afterwards. And, you know, seeing the the heads nodding and people agreeing with me and taking pictures of the of my slide deck and things like that. You know, it, it, I ended up feeling a lot better about it. But just going into it, even seeing that email, just asking me to speak at the conference was super overwhelming. Like I did not actually belong there. Well, I think, too, once you have money on the line, that kind of changes things, right? I mean, oh, yeah. it's one thing to press publish on a blog post, like, that's a free post, right? But when someone is giving up money and time to help organize this, and you are the person that they're hiring, it's like, oh, crap, now am I really good enough? Like, people are paying to see me. That's, you know, mind-blowing. Yeah, I've, and I think going back to our last conversation, too, with the feeling like you don't belong or feel like you stick out in a sort like a sore thumb in an environment like a lot of these big conferences when I'm at them I feel like I totally stick out like a sore thumb being a lot younger than everybody and being one of the few women there and so I think that that's a huge place where I feel imposter syndrome too is like you know get shepherd over to shepherded over to the press area a lot or into the student section and it's like no like I'm an actual software engineer and I've been in this industry for actually quite a few years at this point but Anyways, I think uh, just really quickly when it comes to being paid to go someplace, I was freaking out before I spoke at not Shopify, but Spotify. I always get those two mixed up. And they flew me out to Stockholm. And it was definitely one of the highlights of my career. But I remember thinking in my head before, I'm like, they paid money. What if it sucks? What if this talk sucks? And I was so, I mean, it was one of my favorite talks that I've ever given. But I remember leading up to it being like, oh my gosh, I cannot mess this up. I cannot mess this up. Being super, super terrified and thinking like, these React engineers are going to think I'm silly. They don't I don't know what I'm doing with this. I can't talk about JavaScript the same way. So yeah, definitely, definitely relate to that a lot with the first, well, not my first conference, but definitely my first like big, big conference. So Emma, you have, you have experience as well with imposter syndrome at your first conference too. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was a kind of a weird situation because I was, uh, in my first conference speaking uh, engagement was with React.js girls in London and I was thrilled to go back to London and it seemed like a really cool organization and I'm the first talk. And so we opened this conference with all of us dressing up like I don't even remember. You'll have to go look it up. React Ice Girls London opener. But Eve Porcello had us all like dress up like the Apple guys. Like we wore like skorts and, and glasses. So we did this like really silly presentation. I had to run back and change, which helped my imposter syndrome a little bit. I go up to the stage to present. I'm the first one. And I look out and the entire React and React core, like native core teams are sitting in the front row. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, crap. <laughs> Right? Because I'm at a React conference, my first time presenting, and the, the core teams are sitting in the front row. It was terrifying, but it was also reassuring to see them, you know, really engaged. They weren't on their phones. They were taking, you know, photos of my slides. And that, to me, like, really helped reassure me that, you know, I have things that are valuable to say as well. But yeah, so Lindsay, uh, you mentioned, you know, your conference, but you also uh, teach classes, don't you? So what was your experience teaching a class? Have you ever felt imposter syndrome there? So I love teaching. Uh, Ali 
got like helped me get into teaching as well. But I was recently teaching a class about like programmer lingo and stuff like that. And I was looking over the slides and actually talking to Allie and being like, oh my gosh, some of this stuff are terms I don't even know. How am I even qualified to teach this class? Like a lot of low level programming terminology that I had never come across in my life. And I was freaking out, but I actually, what I did is I also just was like, you know what, Lindsay, you've been doing this for five years. You know more than the people who are coming to this class and you can do your best. And it it was definitely terrifying. I've taught intro to coding, which I always love doing, but this one, which was just like talking like a programmer. It wasn't even geared toward web developers or want to be web developers, more just people who want to talk and interact with their web developers more. And I felt like half the terminology was stuff I was so clueless about. I had to handle it in a way where I'm like, you know what, the worst case scenario happens is, you know, somebody asks me a question and I say, I don't know. And I think that was actually a very helpful realization is being like, if I don't know it, it's okay. So Ali, what's another time you felt imposter syndrome? Yeah, so I think this whole year has been wild with my blog posts getting a lot more attention and like Twitter and doing bigger conferences and all that. Like why me and why are people reading my stuff and what makes my stuff better? And it probably isn't better. It's just partially luck and timing and being okay at marketing stuff. And so I think that that's been a huge piece of imposter syndrome, especially with people saying stuff on the internet and all that, I think it totally brings up different insecurities and something new every day, seemingly. But I think that that's brought about a lot of imposter syndrome too. It's it's like, you know, I'm not necessarily some 10X developer just because people read my blog (laughs) posts. And I think that people sometimes think that that's the way that it is, especially, you know, on Twitter or whatever. And it's like, I'm, I'm not, I just can, talk about stuff and also write code and that's why it happens not because i'm some rock star developer well yeah people see like the amount of followers you have and they just automatically make this assumption that you're like totally an expert in something it's like no i tweet pictures of possums and talk about food so uh i'm definitely (laughs) not an expert in technology but uh i think going to this blogging thing you know one of the the reassurances that we have is seeing all the positive feedback right that helps kind of combat uh imposter syndrome and then you get one comment on your blog that's like you don't know what you're talking about this is terrible you should never write again and it totally like just demoralizes you and and it negates all of the positive right even if the 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 ratio of positive to negative is like one to 200 it doesn't make a difference that one negative comment like totally destroys morale yeah 100 percent. especially if it comes at a different angle from other negative stuff that you've gotten in the past i feel like i get numb to the stuff that i get a lot like i'm numb to the people asking me out at this point or calling me pretty like whatever that sucks but It happens so often that I'm so used to it. But then somebody comes at you from a new angle and it just knocks you on your feet again. And you're like, oh, this is probably true. This person's right about me. They exposed me. It's awful. Absolutely. And and there's a lot that goes into it on on the psychology side as well. When we get a positive, like we get a compliment from somebody, we're very good at associating it as something external to 
ourselves. Like, oh, I, you know, there was just a lot, a lot of research that went into this, or I didn't invent the way this code works. It's just easy to read. But when we get a negative compliment or a negative compliment, we get some kind of negative comment coming in, we immediately internalize it. We immediately put it towards ourselves and it's a personal attack on us and we just we do this naturally so it's hard it's it's difficult to you know combat something like that when it's it's your first instinct to react that way yeah and speaking of that kelly can you tell us a little bit more about your you know you've built a company right and it's quite impressive especially because you're not old as far as we know maybe you are we we actually don't know Um, 48 you're 48 oh okay well you look great could you, could you tell us a little more about imposter syndrome in regards to like building your own company? Yeah, so I am I'm 28. And yeah, so I've built up this company and you know, I've I've worked with so many business owners with online stores making way more money than I could ever dream of making, you know, talking 10, 20, 30, 40 million dollars a year. And yet they come to me for the advice on how to run their business. And it's it's surreal, you know, when you're in a call and you're like, "Oh, should we make this really major change to our website? Like, do you think it'll impact our sales? And I know how to respond to it and give them the proper advice. And even though I've been in the Shopify space for almost five years now, I still, every single time this comes up, I'm always thinking to myself, you know, who am I to be telling you how to run your business? I can I can only imagine how tough that is because... You know, you're a Shopify Plus expert, but sorry, I had to like just, you know, give you that. Um, you're a Shopify Plus expert, but you you're talking to these people who might not have any clue about the web or how Shopify works, but they they are definitely successful business people. And I can't even imagine how hard it is to get out of your shell with that especially when I have no background in business, like my bachelor's is in psychology and I have two master's degrees in public health and social work, which is (laughs) not at all related to development and it's not at all related to business, but I'm just figuring it out as I go. What a double whammy too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting to me how when you get that one comment, you really, really remember it, even if it was the smallest comment, the one comment that made you feel really, really bad. For example, I remember this one comment where I posted about tooltips and making accessible tooltips on Twitter. And I remember it was something I had experienced directly, like in terms of the code, something I had to deal with, a problem I had to solve, but it wasn't necessarily the best practice of when you use tooltips. And I had one person who I super respect basically tell me that that was wrong. And I remember wanting to quit, quite frankly. And it wasn't even that big of a deal. It was just, I could stand up for myself. And I could say, this is the situation I had, I prefer to do things this other way. But I had a client work and this is how I made this accessible. So uh, this is the thing that I did. And it was nice to explain that, but I definitely needed a pe- uh, pep talk. I actually talked to Cher and Cher uh, Scarlett. I think, it, yeah, Cher, Cher Scarlett. Um, she was super great at helping uh, me push through that because I felt like I didn't know about accessibility and I wasn't qualified to do it. And that's a huge identity crisis for me because that's literally what my entire career is about. I, yeah. And to that point, Lindsay, like, It's really hard to receive criticism from people that you respect, especially when it's about your passion. But I think that this kind of goes to the way 
in which people do give constructive criticism or do give feedback. And it's like what they maybe were just trying to, you know, let's assume that they were trying to be helpful, but maybe the way they said it kind of enhanced our imposter syndrome, you know? And, and I think we forget that the way in which we phrase things, uh, especially because, you know, people interpret things differently through the internet and cross culture, but the way that we phrase our, our words can have a positive impact or they can have a negative impact depending upon how we say things. Totally. I actually think that's if that was phrased completely differently, I could have been like, oh, yeah, I totally know that. This was just a scenario that I dealt with at work, and this is how I made it work. And if that were the case, I don't think I would have shut down. And how you deliver feedback is so, so important. Kelly, didn't you like write a blog post or a tweet thread about how to deliver feedback? I can't remember. I did. Yeah, it's it's so important because like we're all human and you know, we want to grow and we want to rise above, but when it comes down to it, when you say it in a way that isn't constructive, you shut down. Like you're just a human. That's all that right. can, you can really respond to it. But let's kind of segue cuz Kelly, you were talking about being a business owner, and I actually would love to talk about that because we talk about imposter syndrome a lot. Uh, from like the developer mindset. But I feel like when you go into entrepreneurship, that is a whole new can of worms. So when you started your agency, did you get imposter syndrome? That imposter syndrome still has not left. Let's say that we are we are very good friends. They are, the imposter syndrome is, is very much here on a day-to-day basis. And it, it becomes really, really difficult as an agency owner. And it took me a long time to even get to the point where I felt comfortable calling myself an agency owner. Like I felt like my business was not legitimate for, you know, a number of reasons. And the reasons don't really matter that much. But it's the the fact is, yeah, I absolutely did get imposter syndrome when I started my agency and I still have imposter syndrome today. One thing I want to maybe quickly have a discussion on is like, can imposter syndrome be a good thing, right? Because it makes you very self-aware of of yourself, but also other people's time. So going back to getting paid to do things, if I'm getting paid to speak at a conference and I don't have any imposter syndrome, like maybe that's not a good thing, right? Because you're not going to be as aware of uh, respecting others' time uh, and whatnot. So could this maybe not be such a bad I think yeah it can be a bad thing in certain situations if it's really affecting your mental health and and making you question your your life decisions but to some extent like could this be a good thing oh I credit it to my success to be totally honest with you I don't think I would work half as hard as I have I've worked two plus jobs for most of my career and I don't think I would have done that if I didn't have really bad imposter syndrome where I'm like constantly trying to prove it to myself and other people that I can do this and that I can learn these things that I could teach other people. And I think this whole internet thing and working so hard at that has been come across or come up from imposter syndrome as well in that I'm trying to teach myself things and share my knowledge and reinforce my own knowledge. And so I think, honestly, my career would look so different if I didn't have imposter syndrome, to be totally blunt. Absolutely. Imposter syndrome is a is a sign of vulnerability and acknowledging your imposter syndrome it is embracing that vulnerability and allowing yourself to grow with it. Totally. I think something that I've, regarding vulnerability, I think for me, I'm pretty open on the internet about what I'm vulnerable about, about my mental health. And 
when I'm struggling. And I think that actually makes people connect with you a lot better. And when you can connect with people, you can teach better, you can mentor better, you, it improves a lot. And every single person that I've looked up to has had imposter syndrome. And when I think about it, it's because they were able to empathize with me. And they were able to understand what I was going through and give me advice to help me get pushed through those feelings when I was uh, more junior. And I think that like you're a better teacher you're when you can empathize and you're a better mentor when you can empathize. And those are two really good qualities of senior developers. So when it comes down to it, if we're going to do some sort of logical connection here, senior developers would probably have like good senior developers probably have imposter syndrome or have experienced it at some point. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I agree. So we've talked a lot about imposter syndrome, our kind of experience with it and all of that. But what are some of the things uh, that we've had in our career, our wins, essentially, that remind us that we belong here, that really validate how how we feel in this industry? Allie, why don't you kick this off? Yeah, for me, I think the top thing, originally at least when I was early in my career, was getting my first performance review and it being super, super positive and getting a big raise and all that. And I think that that was really validating. And for the first time I was like, oh, like I'm actually pretty good at writing code and I've done a lot for this. But more recently, it's definitely been teaching so many people to code and both online and in person and seeing them grow and their success. And I think that that's been so helpful for for me, but also for yeah, it's been super, super helpful for me and just really great for knowing that the stuff that I'm saying has some impact and that people are able to learn from my past too. So that's been the biggest validator for me. How about you, Kelly? So mine's also been you know, putting out really great work and having people openly recognize our work. I actually, I got an email last night. I've been, I've been kind of in the downward spiral of imposter syndrome for another agency project. And the guy I was talking to about this sent me an email last night, basically saying, I just wanted to remind you again, like I saw the the headless commerce that you set up for yourself on your personal site. You do really great work. And I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that when you land this project, you're going to absolutely kill it. And just seeing that positive email come in, it, it was a huge breath of fresh air. And then I also replied thinking I'm saying like, you might need to send this like four more times. <laughs> I think we need to be better as a community at giving uh, positive reinforcement. I don't think we're good enough at it. But if someone on your team or in your life is doing a great job in anything, like tell them, please. <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially in the development field, like there's always the running joke that developers never get noticed until something breaks. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So true. I've been trying recently to just DM people on Twitter that I think are doing great work and just being like, thank you. This is really awesome. And keep doing what you're doing because it's cool. I so bet they like lose their bleep, their their curse word when you do, <laughs> when you do, when you do that. Allie, I'm, to curse. I'm still waiting for my DM. So <laughs> I talk to you all so much. It's what? usually people that I know a little bit less. But you all are awesome, too. You guys are all awesome. 
I think my win was getting asked to speak at conferences because for a really long time I'd been putting out all of these blog posts and, you know, kind of getting over the fear of throwing my thoughts out into the void. And um, then when I got asked to speak at my first conference, it was like, oh, like people know who I am now and they like my work and they want me to share that with, you know, their community. So that for me was a really a big win. But what about you, Lindsay? So something that started happening a few years ago, like maybe two years ago, is at work, I started getting directly requested to be on projects, which was incredibly validating. So people liked working with me. Um, clients liked working with me. Project managers liked working with me. And and they were impressed with my work. So I actually recently got a comment from my boss. And he said, hey, I was talking to the client. And they said the reason why I was late to stand up is because I we got caught up talking about you and how we are happy with your work. And that was that. I mean, it made me tear up because I'm a sap, but it, it was very, very validating because when it comes down to it, being a developer isn't just about code. It's being about it's about being able to interact with people and communicate needs to people and get people's problems solved. So that for me was incredibly validating. So it's important to know, you know, we're discussing our wins here and how we, you know, this is a strategy for combating imposter syndrome. And this is something that I highly recommend everyone listening to this podcast that, that you do yourself. And when you get these wins, write them down, take a screenshot of an email, you know, whatever it might be and create a folder on your computer. Or if you like going old school, print it out and put it in an actual physical binder or something. And like I have I have files saved on my computer that are just called for when I'm having a bad day so I can go through them and I'd be like, okay, I actually do. I I, I do really great work. So this this will pass. Yeah. So I 100 percent do that as well, especially with screenshots, lots of student reviews because they do surveys about, you know, my performance as a teacher or whatever. And so that's for me is the feedback that I care about most. And so I have a lot of those saved. I organize them all through Notion so that they're across computers in case I change one. (laughs) High tech. So I highly recommend this. And it's huge when you're asking for a raise at work too, that you can pretty much just copy paste things or put those screenshots into that negotiation letter. So can't recommend it enough. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is uh, it's not just good for boosting your own morale, but it's you're going to need this at some point when you go for a promotion because I think we all forget that you actually have to work like to prove your value to get a promotion like it's not just going to be handed to you most of the time like you actually have to put together like a portfolio or at least have things to show your boss that they can then take the their boss to show you know your value so it saves a ton of time yeah it's well it's nice too because when it comes down to that being an advocate for yourself is the best thing you can do. And I don't want to say nobody's going to stick up for you because that's not true. But when you're working, you have to be your own advocate. And we have a lot of tendencies to be like, oh, we're not good enough. And when you, especially around promotion time, it's easy to be like, I'm not good enough for this promotion. But even just like going back to that folder and be like, oh, that's why I'm good enough. Uh, this client said something super great about me. And hey, uh, our clients make us money. So uh, yeah, our client likes us and wants me on their project. 
give me a raise. <laughs> so I think one of the hardest things, though, in overcoming imposter syndrome, because I don't believe personally you can overcome it. You can do things to kind of diminish it a little bit. Um, but one of the, the hardest problems to get over is comparing yourself with others. I do this all the time. It's like, oh, well, I might be doing cool stuff, but Allie's doing even cooler stuff with Python. And I, I want to do that. And it's like, that's not the way to to overcome imposter syndrome, right? You shouldn't compare yourself to others. You should compare yourself to where you were yesterday. Totally. Because, you know, I think about when I started uh, teaching myself web dev, I started teaching myself around Thanksgiving 2012. And I remember this because of where I was. And my dad set up a dual boot Linux Ubuntu instance on my Windows computer because he's like, you want to do it on Linux, I promise. You don't want to do it on Windows. And I remember getting that all set up and figuring out how to do things. And I just think of how clueless I was back then and how I literally didn't know anything. And now I can actually talk proficiently about most of the things I was clueless about. So I think when it comes down to it, it is the journey and how far you've come. And there are so many people in this world who are doing better than I am, but who knows what their journey looks like. It's all very, very different. We also take for granted that these journeys are easy, right? Like you see people. Okay, so for us specifically, I feel as though we all achieved a level of success quite early on in our careers. We're all young, right? And so people can see that and think that it was easy. And I can tell you that absolutely was not easy. I mean, for the first two years of my career, two or three years, I cried a lot of the time because I did not know what I was doing. And it was really hard. And it, like people only see the good things. And I think that all of us are pretty good at kind of discussing also the negative things online. And I think we need to be more open and honest about it. Agreed. I think that people also tend to think that everybody's starting from the same place and they're decidedly not. I see this a lot with students is that they're all at the boot camp together. And so, you know, I should be learning this super, super fast because X person is learning it super, super fast. It's like, well, that person also has a master's in math and has been coding since they were eight years old and you just started learning how to code two weeks ago. And so, yeah, you're not going to be at the same place that they're at, but they've also been doing this for a lot longer. And so nobody's journey is going to look the same. Everybody's is going to be super, super different. You can't compare yourself. And I totally agree with Emma's point too, that you see people being successful and all the things that they're doing online, but you don't see how much goes into that. I think I posted yesterday that I like normally work from when I wake up to when I go to sleep almost every day. And I think that you all can probably relate to that as well, that a lot goes in behind the scenes that that isn't necessarily all over the internet. We talked about that on our blogging episode, I think it was, or Side, side Project Balancing side Act, project, yeah. where we discussed what we give up to reap the, these kind of benefits, right? Like, I don't have much of a social life, you know? Allie maybe doesn't sleep more than three hours a night. So these things are, <laughs> these things are hard-earned and they're done behind the curtain that, you know, people don't typically see. Yeah, people don't see. And, you know, you said, you know, you spent the first two y years of your career, like, crying a lot. I cannot tell you how much I've cried over this, over this just imposter syndrome and, I've wanted to quit tech so many times because I didn't feel good enough. And 
like I almost okay I need to stop talking about this because I'll start tearing up right now (laughs) and I I need to keep myself together for this podcast but you know we I spent a good chunk of the first half of my career as a web developer crying about how I was never going to make the money that I should because I was never going to be good enough. So I was always going to be the junior. And I think back now, and I really just want to go and give that girl a hug because, yeah, that that was a very hard time in my life. And I'm really thankful that I pushed through it and had the support. But, yeah, so uh, with that with that being said, um, you know, Kelly, like, because you wrote an entire blog post on imposter syndrome. And so what have you benefited from being open about it? I think a lot of it has just normalized the situation for me. We're all going through this in some form or another, whether you're whether you have two exper- two years of experience or you have 20 years of experience. Imposter syndrome is always going to rear its ugly head in some form. And in being open about it and discussing these kinds of situations that have come up where you're struggling, there is somebody out there who will very much just be like, yes, I am also struggling with this or I did struggle with this and this is how I got past it. Yeah, being open, I I can't, there are going to be maybe one or two people who are a jerk, but when it comes down to it, most of the people who you want to interact with have dealt with it at some point, and being open and vulnerable about it has probably been one of the most helpful things in my career, because I was not open about my imposter syndrome the first year, and that's why I cried a lot, but once I opened up about it, I was like, oh my goodness, this person who has had five, six, seven, eight years of experience also feels this way. I'm not alone here. And this is actually normal. And it made me come to terms with those feelings. You know, it's almost, uh, it's really therapeutic to just share it and realize that you are not alone. Everybody who is like every single person who you look up to has that feeling to some degree. Exactly. And on that note, we're going to discuss one of our listener wins. So if you want to have your win featured, subscribe to our newsletter. We have a form in there for you to submit your win. And this week's win goes to Cecilia, who just graduated from the full stack software engineering boot camp at Georgia Tech and landed her first job as a junior software developer. So congratulations, Cecilia. Emma, what is your win this week? So my team on Coding Coach has been doing a really amazing job trying to get our full platform, you know, built with with our database and our and all of that stuff being set up and they're making a ton of progress. So I just want to give them a quick shout out for their win on making progress. It's awesome. Lindsay, what about you? So uh, last episode, I talked about my engagement pictures, and I want to say that I survived my 106 heat index for my engagement shoot. It was so hot. Oh, my Uh, gosh. Yeah, it was. So if you are not in America, that's about 41 degrees Celsius. So it is very hot. Yeah. It, they did still, you look that up or did you actually know what the conversion was? No, I, I looked it up because okay. I had I had friends that I wanted to tell how hot it was. And they're like, oh, goodness, that is very hot. Can't believe you were outside. But it was super perfect because we had a um, cold front come through. And right, literally the moment that she shot the last picture, it started raining and it felt 
it was nice because it didn't rain on us, but it was also nice because it finally cooled off. When we were driving back home, it went from 106 to 73 degrees, which is 41 degrees to like 23 or 24 degrees Celsius. So I also looked that up, I think. Watch me be wrong. But (laughs) so Kelly, what about your win? So I started my own online store because I build these stores for my clients. That's my day-to-day job. Why not run my own? So I've been putting a bunch of products in the store with the developer jokes that I often post on Twitter. And Kelly, you're not funny though. I know. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I even say in the description, like, these are really bad developer jokes. But for whatever reason, people are still buying the product. So it's really great when they buy a product of like, that has my bad code on it. Because everyone's walking around drinking coffee with my bad code. And it just makes me feel really (laughs) good about myself. Well, you know what? The best part is like your bad code is everyone else's bad code because we all write bad code. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Allie, what is your win? Yeah, so I spoke at Codeland this past week, and it was the most nervous I've ever been for a talk by like 800 times because I was sharing my real story and sharing a lot of personal information and how I felt about harassment and all that stuff. And I made it through it, and I gave my full talk, and I didn't cry on stage. So that was a big one for me. That is awesome. And with that, we just want to thank you all for listening today. We hope that our our conversation about imposter syndrome maybe kind of validated how you're feeling and made you feel a little bit better, like you're not alone. And we're looking forward to seeing you next time. Oh, and one more thing. Make sure you post on Twitter, you subscribe, and we're going to be sending one of our listeners on Twitter some stickers. Who doesn't love stickers? Make sure to subscribe on and rate us on your podcast host of choice so that you know about our new episodes that come every monday see you next week